0: Us. Father, we thank you that you speak to us and you lead us and guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1981, the movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. Now, if you haven't seen it, that's your fault. I'm not going to spoil it for you, okay? That's 30 years ago. So, I mean, most of you weren't even born then, but that's a lot of my message is like that. Most of these, you aren't born when I tell stories. <laughs> when I saw it, I knew nothing about the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. I was a brand new Christian. I'd pretty much been in the New Testament. So the whole story was about the Nazis in Indiana Jones trying to find the Ark of the Covenant which was fascinating to me. So I began to research the scriptures to find out what, what, is, what is the Ark of Covenant? What, is, what does that mean? The Lord told Moses in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. Then in Exodus 25, the Lord gave Moses instructions how to build his sanctuary, which Moses did. And it was called the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where the Spirit of God would dwell. Oh, great, he's already put it up. (laughs) Okay, inside the Ark was placed three things. Ten Commandments, Pot of Manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. Each one of those represented what God was going to lead and guide his people. The Ten Commandments represented... His, his direction for their life. The manna represents his, his word daily given to them, his daily provision. Aaron's rod that budded represented his leadership. He's placed over them, Moses and Aaron, to lead and guide them. But there was the Lord who was actually doing it. The Israelites disobeyed all three of them. Ten Commandments goes without saying. The manna. When the manna appeared in Exodus chapter eleven, they complained. They wanted to go back to Egypt to have the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. The leadership of Moses and Aaron. In Numbers chapter sixteen, they rebelled against it, called Korah's rebellion. They wanted to have their own leadership. They didn't like the leadership God had put over them, and actually, it was the Lord, leadership of the Lord. And if you've read the story, the Lord wasn't real happy. The earth opened up and Korah and his followers fell down into the earth. Now the lid on top of the ark did come off. The two cherubims, and wings up there. That was called the mercy seat. According to Leviticus chapter 16, 11 through 17, once a year, the Holy Priest, the High Priest, would enter into the Holy of Holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was held. There was the Outer Court, the Inner Court, and the Holy of Holies. Only the High Priest was allowed to enter there once a year. And he would sprinkle blood of the bulls of a bull on the mercy seat. And that was to make atonement for the sins of the Israelites during the past year. This represented in God's eyes, when, if, when the Lord looked on it, he looked upon the blood upon the mercy seat. He saw the Israelites were innocent of all their sins that were contained in the ark. The blood on the mercy seat only cleansed men from their sins once a year. It did not provide them with opportunity to have access with God and to know him. The Israelites carried the ark around them. The whole 40 years they wandered in the desert. When Joshua crossed the river Jordan to go into the promised land, the priests carried the ark into the water and the people followed. In the battle of Jericho, the ark walked around with the people. Seven days. Later, when Saul became king, the ark was captured by the Philistines. The Philistines put it in their temple. Dagon. They woke up the next morning. And their 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 god Dagon was fallen over, broken apart. They realized tumors were breaking out upon the Philistines, and they realized it was because the presence of God was there, and they weren't regarding it. So they sent it back to the, to the Israelites. David took the ark and brought it back to Jerusalem. Solomon built a temple to house the ark. When the Babylonians destroyed the temple years later, it says that they took all the treasures in the temple, but there's no mention of them taking the ark. Today, nobody knows where it is. There are all kinds of theories about where it is, And I'm going to give you one of mine today. When I visited Jerusalem many years ago, our guide told us that many people come to Jerusalem and say, okay, we want to walk where Jesus walked. And he said, that's pretty much impossible. Because Jerusalem has been fought over centuries. And what they do is they build upon the rubble. He said when, when Jesus walked, they destroyed, 70 years later, they destroyed the temple. Years before that, when, when David was around, they destroyed, he destroyed Jerusalem to get to the temple, to build the temple. So there's lots of destruction. Um, but my point is lots of destruction has happened in Jerusalem. When I went to the, the Wailing Wall, my guide took me down below the Wailing Wall and showed me some of the ruins in, in uh, Jerusalem. And he said, Louis, this is just part of it. We can't go any deeper. They won't allow us to go any deeper. But it's much, much, much deeper for where Jesus walked. Now I'm going to take you to the death of Jesus. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 and 51 says this. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he gave up his spirit, meaning he died. And at once, the veil of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split apart. I want you remember that. The veil of the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. From the Lord to the earth. Meaning, no longer is it a high priest can go into the Holy of Holies. The Holy Holy of Holies, the presence of God, was open to everyone at this time. Verse 55 of that same chapter says of an earthquake. Besides the earthquake, what else occurred at that time? John chapter 19. Verse 33 and 34. This time the soldiers were ordered to make sure Jesus was dead. And so it says this. Coming to Jesus, when they saw he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with his spear. Immediately came out blood and water. Matthew chapter five, verse 17, Jesus says this, do not presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Now keep that in mind as I go forward. So I believe again, this again, this is just my theory. I have no archeological proof on this. But when Jesus died and the earth opened up just at the time Jesus' blood was being spilled, I believe it dripped down to where the Ark of the Covenant was actually buried. And his blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Meaning, according to my theory, the Ark of the Covenant is still buried someplace below where Jesus died. And also according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23 to 26, it says this, Jesus sprinkled his own blood on the true mercy seat in heaven. He did it for us, instituting the new covenant. Where not only, as in the mercy seat in the Old Testament, we obtain forgiveness for our sins. We have an access to God meaning we have an opportunity that the Old Testament believers did not have. We have an opportunity to have a relationship with the eternal Godhead. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, verse 33 says this, For this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and write it on their heart. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. The old covenant, the blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat. The new covenant. Jesus was instituting by his own blood. Now if we have the people who are pass out the communion elements. We can do that. And we will, if you take the communion elements, just hang on to them. We'll, we'll take communion together. I'm going to read from Luke Luke chapter 22. And as we take this, I want you to Jesus said, "Do this remembrance of me. Remember when you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you expect you accepted his sacrifice. And not only are you forgiven for everything you've ever done and everything you've ever thought, now you have a personal relationship with God. And he's going to lead and guide and direct you. Something the Old Testament people never had. So I want you to think about that as we take communion today. Luke chapter 22, verse 19 and 20. Jesus, when he had taken some of the bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which has been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup after they had eaten. This is the cup which is poured out for you. This is the new covenant. The one that he says, the new covenant that says, I'm not only going to tell them out here what to do, I'm going to put it in their heart. That you truly have, when you accept Jesus, you have the eternal, the eternal being residing within you. This is the new covenant in my blood. Amen. Did Michael Clyde ever come? Did he ever show up? No? I didn't know if he was going to or not. Okay, I just said one of the words. Adam you don't need to stand up because you're right in front row I believe this is what the Lord told me you're a very creative person you cannot be put in a box and that's the Lord that stirs you in your heart and I believe you've just came out of a situation which is a very good situation it wasn't a bad situation at all but there was a stirring in your heart you said, Lord I need more And you you, you you left the situation, whatever it was you were in, and came into a new situation. And I was just going to tell you, that was the Lord leading and guiding and directing you because of what's in your heart. Even though people would don't understand what you did, it was the Lord. Okay? And what I always do after I give a word, I'll let you come up afterwards, and we'll talk to you. Okay? And if we could have Ministry team come up and then Kurt come up and relieve me. All right.